0: Hi, I'm Shelley. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Last week, we left y'all in kind of a terrible place. We left y'all on the near side of the pain portal, the place between awareness and action. And so this week, we're going to continue our conversation on activation and talk about how you can start to learn to move through your personal pain portals when it comes to activating for tasks.
1: Cam, you want to say more? Sure. You know, and I think that it sounds bad, but it isn't that bad. Yes, it's a pain portal, and we do have a pain response when we are in this sort of Stationary state and getting into action, and vice versa. But that I have found when you find that portal and practice passing through it, you'll find that it's a transition period of a certain amount of time. And there's data there to look at. So I want to kind of go big a little bit before we get into some specific examples, because that's what we're going to do this week is really talk about how our clients kind of find their way through that pain portal getting from that awareness state into action and and how to again like you know duplicate it one time is great but we really need to be able to do it and and make it repetitive you said something last week that i listened to and it just was it was really spot on i'm just going to put some you know glow your way some sunshine ready shelly i'm ready what did i say what did you, what did you say what did you say what did shelly say you said there's this accumulative process of awareness over time. As we're learning about these different things, it is a cumulative process of awareness over a period of time that gets you closer to these big learning moments or big ahas. And I think that just to sort of keep that in mind, and as you were giving these examples of your hard email client, and your knowledge gap client. The way that you were looking at that was, again, it was kind of getting up above it, above the fray, out of the darkness, out of that deep, dark place, and to really kind of look at this AE gap from a distance with your knowledge base person of kind of like where they are and what kind of engagement they do get into, which gets them off course and gets them you know, more overwhelmed. Um, with your email person again it was kind of looking at it from a distance and that's what we do as coaches and this is what's available to you clients is that you know you might be like okay i'm ready to go through that pain portal just hold off a sec all right and really kind of think about your project x the thing that you're trying to work on you're not able to activate on is what is your awareness what is your engagement something i also want to say is that not all awareness is helpful when we are worried, when we're anxious, when we ruminate, when we have negative self-talk, that is a form of awareness. It is this thinking state. So not all awareness is great. Not all engagement is great. But kind of being curious about your own behaviors there of what happens around this. What is that avoidant behavior? What's the behavior that's really taking you away from getting your goods to market? Okay, I'm Last week, we were talking about me and noticing how my wheels were falling off my wagon, getting my goods to market because I struggled with completion. I started with activating for task. I started with all three of those elements of engaging and engaging to a completion point. So, being curious about this, and we're looking at this just like we're looking at all these other elements we look at, whether it's sleep, whether it's creating a meaningful day, whether it's doing what matters, it's take. The long view first, be that keen observer and pay attention to how this gap around activation shows up for you.
0: Well said, Cam. And I want to call back to last week's episode and something you said, which is this idea of finding the tree that you can climb to get above it. You know, just looking for what can I notice here and doing that. Over and over again, until you get to that critical discovery. I had a client have a critical discovery today, actually, right before we hit record. This client had previously been traditionally employed within her field, and traditional employment is kind of the norm for what she does for a living. But she found an avenue that she wanted to pursue in self-employment. We did a lot of coaching work around that. And she made a decision to start taking steps in that path. Yet she couldn't get any traction. The commitment was there, but there was still something in the way. There was still a pain portal she had to go through. And it took us a few sessions, but we found it today. And for her, stability is important. So what we came to was finding the job that doesn't require an above and beyond, the job that I can leave at work so that I have the time and the bandwidth to build my business. And she actually used freedom to language here. So I have the freedom to start building my business, but that I'm not hinging everything on it right at the start. I can do it at a pace that is more comfortable for me. I can take some time and let it breathe. And the weight that came off of her shoulders when we found that critical discovery was incredible. And all of a sudden, the next actions were very easy to get to and very easy for her to commit to. We didn't know that was there because she was sure and still is sure that pursuing being self-employed is her path forward. The thing in the way was that stability piece. It took us a while to find it. It takes a while to find these things.
1: And so finding the thing that's in the way, but the thing that's in the way that is actually kind of disengaging this Activation mechanism. Yeah. Right. I see this so often of whether it's overwhelm, where it's the weight, the pressure, this added pressure that just, again, it's this very nuanced switch, very sensitive switch that if the conditions are just not right, it just kind of goes offline. I think that when I was posting the episode last week on Twitter, I just said, you know, for us, it's some assembly required often it is some assembly required in the sense that when things come to us like doing a task others can kind of construct these things and go a template a sequence a process a time frame and for us it's like we're down in that rainforest and it's like other people have you know the flashlight they got the stove they got the tent we have parts of a stove We have parts of a compass that we have to start to assemble and throw out the pieces that don't work. So part of this is sort of identifying these pieces that will just take that activator offline, removal of that, of certain things, and the addition of other pieces. So we do get clear on the next actions. But this is this sort of, again, where we have to be patient that we don't get the assembled IKEA desk. (laughs) we get the Ikea (laughs) desk with maybe a couple, like a couple screws are like the wrong size. And we're like, ah.
0: (laughs) Cam, I'm just laughing at that for two reasons. Um, Number one, it's a great metaphor. Number two, you have no idea how many pieces of furniture have had to be assembled in my new home. It's too many. It's too darn many. I am so done with furniture assembly. So, Cam, I think this would be a good time to go back to my client that we discussed last week, the one who had a problem with knowledge gaps. And just to refresh everyone's memory, this is a client who is a software developer and who really loves problem solving. It's one of his strengths in his role. But there was a particular type of problem or set of problems that he would come up against where he couldn't get to action and he couldn't figure out why. And so the critical awareness there. Was that when there was a knowledge gap, when there was something he didn't know, which comes up pretty often in software development, that would freeze his progress. That would put him in a state of inaction. That would put him on the near side of a pain portal. So, what did we do from there? Well, that critical awareness gave us some new insight into his old problem. We had the name of knowledge gap. So, first of all, when that type of problem came up, he could name it and notice it and be aware that this is why he was stuck and why he was not able to act. And then came coaching around knowledge gap. And how do we bridge a knowledge gap? What's going on for you with a knowledge gap? Why is it a struggle? Well, like many of us with ADHD, he doesn't sequence well. So he could see all of the potential things that he could look into, but he couldn't see the sequence. This client also happened to have a habit of sketching out other problems. He's a very visual person. So he would actually grab a notebook and draw out a problem. And it turned out that was the solution here too, was when he hit a knowledge gap, sketching out the problem, putting it on paper in a visual way, allowed him to then begin to sequence and see where the starting point was. Where do I enter here?
1: We're brilliant. (laughs) Do you know why? Why? Because there's our understand, own, translate process right there. Right? Yeah. It's helping your client to understand, own it, and then translate it. To take that and give it a name, notice it, watch it, and then start to develop some useful workarounds. It was a sequencing problem. It was a sequencing problem and also, I imagine, a, again, a freezing problem. Yeah. His gut response was to go to inaction. So that inaction, again, back to that very nuanced activator, it's going to take it offline. And so finding a way to like how to activate to get started there. I've got an example I'd like to share too. So I have a client who runs a nonprofit and she does amazing work of connecting children in Tanzania with school children in the US to bring them together. With current technology, so they can understand each other to break down these cultural differences. And so she does that through schools. And she is a high creative. And where she gets bogged down is often around activation for task. So much so that it can be really debilitating. It's hard for her to get out of bed because immediately she's overwhelmed with everything she has to do. It all comes and all presents together back to that weight, that pressure, which basically takes her activator offline. And so she was trying to write an email to describe one of her offerings for schools in the U.S. and Canada, and she was hesitating, hesitating, hesitating. We got her to just start, just start and really limiting what she was doing thinking about it as an iterative process, number one. What she noticed was a couple things. When she started, she realized she was trying to do too much. I think this is a very common manifestation, is that we're biting off too much. But I think that gets, often it gets too much bandwidth or too much attention. There's other things going on there. But when she started to write it out, she noticed her tone was this sort of, again, urgency and pressure. It's like, wait a second, teachers have so much going on this year, so many demands. I don't want to place another demand on them. And she realized that as she was starting, she noticed her tone was all wrong. And she really wanted to establish a tone of win-win, of positive, of how can I support what you're trying to do in the classroom? But it was really a matter of just starting. The other interesting thing that happened there was she uncovered a strength of a piece connector. She connects the pieces together and she couldn't do that until she actually threw a couple pieces out on the table.
0: So Cam, I'm noticing a couple of things in your client story there. Number one, there are some parallels to my hard email client in that what was getting in the way for her, was the tone. She was setting the wrong tone. And figuring that out for herself made it easier to send those emails. Number two, I want to say something about just get started. Because that can be a way into insight, taking that first step as a way to climb a tree and generate some awareness. But it's not the only way. And I think it's important to call that out because you may not be able to just get started. And we are not saying that you should be able to just get started. If you are stuck in a place where you cannot get to action, then that is not the step for you. But if you can take that first step, sometimes that can be really insightful. Again, back to my hard email client, the actions we were working on were around limiting how much she was in email because she was reacting, reacting, reacting to new emails as a way to sort of temper her guilt about the hard old emails that she hadn't dealt with. And so our path to awareness started with trying to solve for reacting to emails all day long. It's not where it ended up. And she wasn't even ultimately that successful at first with not reacting to emails as they came in. But because she wasn't successful there, we kept digging. Why wasn't she able to break that hold, even though she tried? She made an attempt. We had a plan. Why didn't it go the way that we thought it would go? Because there was something else there, something a little deeper down. Those hard emails were what we needed to find.
1: Yeah, I love what you just said about tone, noticing the the similar tone. And I'm wondering, part of that tone was... For my client, that tone of urgency was her own tone around this task, that it was coming through in this, her sense of, I got to do this, was bleeding over into, you got to do this. And as she saw that, it was like, wait a second, do they have to do this? No, they don't. But again, to throw it out there a little bit and have it live in some other form. I like what you said. Like, we will never tell you go and just do it, or you should be able to start. But starting is not necessarily what you might think it should be. I have another client who he knows part of his process for getting the whole picture or really appreciating what he's trying to do is through conversation. It's the same for me. When I talk to people, I start to build necessary knowledge around the task. And then I can start to kind of trim off the stuff I don't need to share and really reinforce the stuff I do want to share. Or again, take to market. So for him, it's talk to somebody. Can I talk to somebody before I draft this proposal? Just to kind of get the information out of his head, look at it in a different way. Then he's able to start to find that lever to activate on the actual, say, writing process. But he was, for so long, talking about it was not a part of the actual task. He just thought it was something separate. And then folding in and realizing, oh, wait, these link together. It's when I talk about it, then I can build knowledge. I get clarity, and he's ascending one of those trees. He's ascending that tree that last week we talked about, to get up above the darkness, above the density, the complexity, all these things that seem so connected, you move one place and everything else moves with you. And it's very difficult to get going.
0: Cam, that client reminds me of my knowledge gap client with a slight difference in modality preference. My knowledge gap client is very strong in the visual modality. So for him, sketching it out visually is what helps him get up above. For those of us that are verbal processors, and I have that on board too, that is what can help us get up above. And I think that sometimes us verbal processors don't draw on that enough. You know, There's some amount of shame associated with being the one that talks too much. Cam, I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life, but Every report card for my entire school career was talks too much, talks too much, talks in class, talks too much. I was the talker. And so we start to discount the value of verbal processing. We don't see it as as valid as other ways of processing. And that's simply not true. So if you have that verbal processor on board, recognizing that and recognizing that that's a way for you to get up above. If you're a visual processor, like my knowledge gap client, how can you visually process the problem? If you think your processing style is somewhere else, how can you get in your modality preference to start processing through? And Cam's waving at me. So he's got something awesome to add here.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, kinesthetic or movement every Monday Before we do this podcast, I go and take the dog for a walk and I'm listening to the previous podcast. And so it's that movement, it's the listening, the auditory, and piecing together these elements that I'm like, I want to bring and the parts that I can leave behind. And I think that what's interesting here is where we're going today is really looking at the complementary type of behaviors that help us with activation, whether it's sketching out a picture sketching out a sequence, talking about it. I will say for verbal processors, finding those elements that you want to share because you can pin the ears back on your recipient if it's just sort of opening up that fire hose of information. So being selective in what you share and, again, giving some focus to what you're talking about. But I'm also thinking about, and I think this goes into an episode coming up around Keystone Habits. Of setting the tone for the day. I have a number of clients who get up and have a certain sequence that, for whatever reason, sets the tone for them to be able to activate that activation lever easier for some reason. A lot of it has to do with some kind of meditation or reflective time, some walking, and just kind of looking at the day proactively for a moment. To just get ahead of it. So you're not in this position to be scrambling and prone to that reactive mode through the day.
0: Cam, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that when we talk about Keystone habits, it really is about setting a proactive tone for the day. And that may be where we go next week. And for those that don't know, and this is super relevant because I live in St. Louis, a Keystone is the piece of an arch that holds the whole thing together. So at your local science museum, if you've ever done the thing where you build the arch, you have to put the keystone in for the two sides to stay up. That's what we're talking about here. And the metaphor really bears itself out for our clients that have found these behaviors and for us too. So we can pick that up next week. But for this week, what should our listeners be taking out of this episode, Cam? What's the opportunity here?
1: I think the opportunity is to hang out in this gap, to play around this gap, and not to serve up the hardest thing, the most difficult thing, the thing that is so perplexing right now, to mix it up a bit. I think that finding something that is of interest, maybe it's important, and it's not the shiny object, but it's something really important to you. It's gonna bring you fulfillment or meaning. So back to my client with her program, this was really important. And so working in there, but it also can be in other areas like self-care to activate for task around 10 minutes of meditation, seven minutes of meditation, or just quiet time, 23 minute walk in the morning with the dog to insert and practice transitioning From this awareness place into action? And what are the different mechanisms that take that lever offline, that switch offline, and what contributes to it that kind of reinforces it, makes it more durable so that we are more reliable? But to play here, to do that sleep study thing that we've talked about, do a little study, experiment, try some things. And then just notice, just notice. This is one of those big ADHD challenges is around being able to move from one state and engage. It is really, really tough. But when you start to find out these patterns and, oh, guess what, Shelly, cause and effect, then you can start to replicate, duplicate, codify, build some templates of your own to be successful here.
0: Yeah, I love that idea of finding the things that take the activation lever offline, and I'm going to add to that and say naming them: knowledge gap, hard emails, urgency tone. These are names that our clients gave to some of the things that take theirs offline.
1: Yeah, and I'll say one more is attaching expectation is putting on a high level of expectation onto a task creates that pressure that perfection And that will just dismantle your ability to activate for task. What's the point? How can I possibly reach that expectation? Notice that pattern of assigning this dizzying expectation.
0: That's a big one, Cam, and one that I would say most, if not all, of my clients struggle with. As far as the others, think of them as examples more so than prescriptive elements find your own language. What are the names of the things for you that take that lever offline? Well said. So before we wrap up for today, again, we want to thank those of you that have taken the time to leave a review for the show. We have seen a couple of new ones come in. We are both blushing furiously at your wonderfully kind words. And we want to put the call out to those of you who haven't. If you have the bandwidth, please leave us a review. It's the best way to help other people find the show. If the show is helping you, you can help someone else find us and get that same kind of help. The other way you can support the show is by becoming a patron. Visit the website translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, you're not only supporting the show, You're able to join our Discord community where you can discuss episodes of Translating ADHD with us, and you can do your own understand, own, translate work and participate in accountability with the rest of our wonderful community. So until next week, I'm Shelly,
1: And I'm Cam. And this was Translating
0: ADHD. Thanks for listening.